A ghoulish welcome to each and every one of you. As always, thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. It's absolutely appreciated. Those tunes you just heard, as always, are courtesy of my good friend, Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. I have a wonderful guest joining me this week. His name is Mark Spicer, and he is a retired sergeant from the local sheriff's office. He served for 25 years. Mark has been fascinated with the paranormal his whole life and has been involved in the paranormal field, investigating and experimenting for the past 30 years. I am just thrilled to have him on. Mark Spicer, welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure is absolutely all mine. So I just want to jump right in and say, first of all, I would like to say thank you for your 25 years of service with the Sheriff's Department. You men and women, I just truly look up to. You guys are heroes, and it's so appreciated what you do for our communities to keep them safer. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. That means means a lot to me. Absolutely. Thank you. So... You've been investigating the paranormal for 30 years. How did you get interested in such a unique field? I actually got interested as a very small child because two of my aunt's houses, I knew, I just knew something was wrong with them. Hmm. You know, I would see at one of my aunt's homes, which was an old farmhouse that had been in her husband's family for about a hundred years, I would see his dad there. Mm. Dad was deceased. At another aunt's house, I, I knew there was an older woman in the back bedroom, but I mean, I wasn't afraid of them, but I, you know, as a child, I'm thinking, well, why are these people here? Right. At that point, I was hooked. I read most every book I could find on it. And as I got older and started trying to experiment with it and started doing, uh, I actually started helping remove lead paint from uh, the Ohio State Reformatory at Mansfield. Oh, wow. And they would let us kind of roam around and see what we could find. And we found quite a few things there. I could only imagine. (laughs) Yeah. And it just grew from there. That's cool. Yeah. Mansfield has always been one of the locations that I have wanted to check out. And it's just kind of neat that everywhere you go, every city, county, state, country, there's things there, you know, that has history and some of it very dark. And, you know, in Pueblo, where I'm from in Colorado, there's this old little barn out in the county and it was just like you know there was stories that a man went crazy and killed his family and then he hanged himself in the rafters in the barn and there's uh different little cabins near there so i don't know what exactly it was but as a kid that was like really cool just going and investigating it and checking it all out and it, it was all fun and games until we got chased from a ton of bees and chased us on out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so the these spirits that you ran into of your family members at your aunt's house, were they like full-bodied apparitions, would you say? Or were, were they like mist or sh- like, what were they exactly? I know like, you know, there's different ways they can show themselves to us. Well... I I rely a lot on what I feel, and it, it, I guess it's hard to explain. But in your mind's eye, you can see things. Yeah. And 
emotions that formed in front of me. But those were more just knowing in my head I could see them and I knew who they were. Right. No, that's that's awesome. That's really neat. And I I have a lot of friends who are mediums and, you know, spirit is always coming to them. And it's neat just to see what they see, you know, like how they explain it or, you know, different things like that. But yeah, that's that's really neat. So would you say that was your first encounter with the paranormal was at your aunt's houses? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very, very neat for sure. I'm like you. I've I've been a lifelong fan of the paranormal. Just I've always been interested in the unknown, unexplained, supernatural and the paranormal. And I I feel bad for the people who don't believe in it. It's like you're truly missing out on something so phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's the people that just refuse to believe it. I I don't know if it's that being scared of the, the unknown or if they just believe too scientifically that there's a reason for everything. And they, there's some other means to do it other than something paranormal. But you see, it's from everything I've read and studied, which has been a lot. <laughs> like children, their brains are forming all the time, where we as adults only use about 10% of our brain. I think that's why you get so many, I've gotten a lot of calls because, you know, people say, you know, their children are saying this, that uh, they woke up and they were scared and somebody was, you know, just patting them and easing them. You know, it may well have been something paranormal. Right. You know, may have been a grandmother, grandfather, great-grandmother, great-grandmother, whatever. But they're scared to death of it because it's something that they don't understand. But who's to say that children with their brains still forming aren't completely in tune with what else is going on? Absolutely. I, I agree with you. When it comes to children, they're, like you said, they're more open-minded and more accepting. And to me, that's, very important and also with animals too they always say you know animals and children they're very in tune they're very you know there's times where all of a sudden my cat will just stare past me like she's looking like through me but she's like her eyes are fixated and she looks so intense and i look and i'm like the debunker in me is like okay is there a bug what's happening like you know like is there a car passing by and she's looking out the window like what's happening and when i'm like okay there's nothing there but there is apparently something there it's the children they haven't they haven't had it beat into their heads their whole life yet yeah quote unquote ghosts don't exist right so you know i i that's my opinion it's you know that they are much more in tune with it and things are much more quick to happen around them absolutely no i completely completely agree with you mark so, in your county, you were talking a little bit about this with me through Messenger, that there's a legend known as the light. You yeah. and a fellow deputy actually had an experience when it comes to the light. I'd like to hear a bit more about the legend itself and then your encounter. Well, there's there's a lot of legends, none of which are fact-based because I've reviewed all the records one of them is supposedly that a motorcyclist was killed in a crash there. That's never happened. Hmm. There's, if you look on the internet, you'll find about six or seven other explanations for it. One is that a girl lived out there and her boyfriend would stop and blink his lights and she would come out and get in the car with him hmm. because father apparently didn't approve of her seeing this guy 
there's, I don't know where this one came from, but I've seen the Oxford Rapist listed in a bunch of stories, and again, I don't, I've not found any basis for that. I'm not sure what caused it, or what causes it, or if it's just some form of energy there, but people go out there constantly and they all tell the same story about seeing a light coming up and down the roads very up and down hilly they all tell that you know that you see a light coming at you and all of a sudden it goes down into a dip and it's no longer there hmm yeah and yeah it's <laughs> we weren't there for that we were there initially to run a bunch of kids off, well, kids, college kids, run them off because they'd be parking in people's yards and their driveway and so forth. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, and you go up there, especially around Halloween, and you might run off 20 cars each time you're up there. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get, but, oh, yeah, we got to have a little fun with it too because we got to wear drive up without our headlights up on <laughs> <just> spotlight <laughs> then you pull up to somebody and you hit the overheads and then people going oh shit <laughs> you know just so we had a little fun with it too yeah <laughs> well you gotta have fun that's awesome <laughs> i would love to do that yeah oh well they want to scare you. Here you go. Right? That'll scare them. <laughs> there was a section of road that they were working on that night. Or they, had, they had it closed down that they'd been working on. And we initially were sent up there on a person in the construction area complaint. And when we got there, we could see what appeared to be somebody walking with a lantern. Hmm. And, but as soon as we get out of the car and start to approach it, we couldn't find it. And that happened to us, uh, twice that night. And when we could see it when we pulled up, but by the time we got out of the car, it was gone. And it had been raining and you didn't find, didn't see footprints in the mud, anything like that. And. Yeah, we just thought, well, somehow or another, somebody's getting away from us, but I don't know how. Right. And I told uh, the other deputy, I said, the next time we go, you come in from this end, I'll come in from the other end. And if it's somebody that's running off, yeah, we're going to see them one way or the other. Pulled up again, saw the, what looked like somebody walking with a lantern, but when we got out again, it was gone. And again, we couldn't find out who, how, or why that we couldn't find it. But um, the show made it, made it out for more for toward ratings as opposed to what actually happened. Right. Because we actually saw two different things that night besides the guy with the lantern. He and I were just standing there talking, thought, well, maybe it'll come back or whatever. And at the other end of the road, we saw a light coming at us, and he he even made the comment. He said, man, that's the quietest bike I ever heard because we didn't hear anything. Yeah. At the dip about 100 yards away from us and never came out. Hmm. Huh. So we went and looked down in that dip, thought, well, maybe somebody's crashed or something, even though we didn't hear anything. And there's nothing there. There's no driveway for them to turn into or anything. There's just nothing there. I really wasn't thinking that it was the quote-unquote light, but as we were walking away, and it, I kind of started thinking, well, what the hell else could it have been? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he knew the stories and 
Yeah, so we, uh, that's what we determined. We'd, so we'd just seen the light. But then as we were walked back toward the cars, we see the somebody walking in the lantern again, and again they disappeared. <laughs> I told him, I said, you wait in the car. I'm going to wait over in this tree line, which was right next to the construction. I said, just call me on channel two and off channel, but you know, so we wouldn't interfere with any other radio traffic. And I stood over maybe maybe fifteen minutes, and he said, "There it is." And I stepped out, and I'm probably within eight to ten feet of this lantern swinging. <laughs> and I turned my flashlight flashlight on, pointed at it. And again, there's nothing there. Wow. And so we actually had two experiences that night of a light that we just couldn't determine where in the world it came from. He, the other deputy's deceased now, so um, he, but he, uh, he made tracks out of there when I told him there was nothing there. No, oh, wow. <laughs> Well, first of all, sorry to hear of his passing. That's that's unfortunate. Was he like you? Was he like a believer of the paranormal? Oh no, absolutely. No. Not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this you you saw this man with the lantern. Mark, were you able to see any features of the man, or just like the silhouette, or? Uh, all we could see was like a. You know, everybody wants to put a uh, bad light on shadow people and stuff. It was just, it was more of a shadow than yeah. anything. But the light, it wasn't like a flashlight. It was like somebody carrying a lantern. Yeah. But, uh, no, I couldn't make out any features on anything other than there was a shadow of somebody or something. And that's neat that, like, you know... You're in law enforcement. You're you're in literally investigating the situation. You're looking around. You're okay. There's no footprints. There's no sounds. We're clearly seeing these things, but yeah, that's very interesting. That's so you might have possibly had an encounter with what's known as your legend out there is the light. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was to me. I, I thought it was pretty cool. He he wouldn't thinking so much of it but yeah it was like i said it really didn't dawn on me at first and then i kept thinking about what he him talking about that bike being so quiet and not hearing anything and it just disappearing right in front of our eyes and went, oh, all right yeah right something else to add to the stories Right. And like you said, you had not one, but two encounters that night. So that's, that's interesting. And so made for an interesting night, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, It was actually a Halloween night. (laughs) That's right. You did mention that Halloween. Yeah. So I know you mentioned it already, the, um, the TV show you were mentioning. So you guys, that was a paranormal emergency and I know it's like fairly new, Paranormal Emergency and Paranormal 911. I really, I have to say those two shows, I enjoy watching them because the witnesses are so, to me, credible. You know, they're firefighters, they're EMTs, they're police officers, they're, a lot of those kind of people are naturally not all of them, obviously, but several are naturally skeptic, you know, very skeptical with certain things. But how did it come about, Mark, you being on Paranormal Emergency? And talk a bit about that experience. That must have been kind of neat to be on the TV show. I know that some people, I have several friends who've been on shows and kind of like you, they said, yeah, they kind of changed things up. You know, it's for the ratings. They wanted to, you know, kind of throw the scare factor in a lot more. And as we know, that happened with yours too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. I actually had 
uh, there a gentleman written a book about police and paranormal encounters. He contacted me probably four years ago, five years ago, something like that, and had asked me, you know, because of my profile on uh, Facebook and stuff, if I had had any paranormal encounters. I told him about that, and he said he was writing a book on it. He said, not, he said I would like to include that. Hmm. So he said, just write up what happened and send to me. He said, and I'll get it in the into the book format as one of the stories. I said, okay. I said, and if you need anybody else, I said, I do know one other deputy that had a different encounter, and he ended up contacting her, and uh, hers was included also. That's cool. But... Um, the television company, they're out of Toronto. I guess it probably someone either read the book or skimmed through the book or something. And then they contacted me about the show and wanted to know if I was willing to fly to Toronto. And I said no, because I'm, I'm not an airplane guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm built like a lumberjack and I don't fit on airplanes well and they said well you know what about Chicago or St. Louis or LA and I said no I'm telling you if y'all want to talk to me you're going to have to come to Cincinnati or date <laughs> well we'll be there next week I said okay nice so I met them down at um I can't remember the name of the hotel in Cincinnati. It's an older hotel, big, very, very nice hotel. They, people at the desk said they're at this, um, all the rooms are named after a president. I don't remember which president's name it was. I believe it was Garfield. Mm. They're in the Garfield room, and they told me where it was. So I went up there, and. There was a young lady and three gentlemen there, and they just kind of told me what was going to go on. And they said, you know, keep looking at the camera, but you're going to see her face in the camera, and she's going to be asking you questions, And but she's going to be over here. And I found that was the hardest thing, was to look at the camera and not her. Oh. But, she, and, but I'm supposed to be looking at her face in the camera. Well, that don't do me no good. I like to look at people. Right. <laughs> there was three or four guys there that you know were doing different things, and one of them got me mic'd up. And they sent me in a chair, and we were there probably two and a half hours. Wow. Answering questions and talking, and you know, I, I came across as a bad hick because some of the things I said on there, which were done. I thought just between me and them, but they ended up using them and all that. Hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was fine, because uh, I'm me regardless of what I'm doing. and Yeah, you know, it's just odd sitting under a bunch of lights and in a dark room with these hot lights on you and looking at a camera instead of the person talking to you. Feel like you're being interrogated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it, was it was it was nice to see how they do all that. And, yeah. You know, then when uh, the show was going to air, well, I was I was on the phone a lot with uh, the young lady from the company, and uh, she was very very nice. Every one of them were very nice. But uh, you know, they contacted me. You know, I didn't know when the show was going to air. They sent me a copy of it. But they didn't tell me that it was going to air. And it's funny because uh, one of my best friends, his wife's mother, came running into their bedroom. And said, Squid. Everybody calls me Squid around here. 
And so she said, Squids on TV, Squids on TV. <laughs> so they called me the next day and was telling me what happened. I said, well, they didn't tell me it was going to be on. So I had to wait and watch it on, uh, on demand. Oh, bummer. But it was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was a fun process. It's something that I said I'd never done before, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Neat that they actually went over to you because I know I do not ride well on planes either. And I, for some reason, I just always have to. Like, I, I live in Colorado and North Carolina, and I drive back and forth, and it's 2,000 miles. And people are like, why do you drive a day and a half when you could easily fly in a couple hours? And for me personally, I'm just like, no, I, for me, it's a control thing. You know, like, if I'm driving and if it's bad weather or if something's happening or hell, if I see a beautiful elk on the side of the road that I want to take a picture of, I can pull over and do so. But if you're on a plane, you're, you know, turbulence, you're getting thrown around like a rag doll, you're around people. Every time I go on a plane, I get sick. You know, there's idiots out there who are super sick. And one woman, I tell you, she was coughing, like phlegmy cough, not covering. And I got so sick one Christmas. I was so mad. So I'm like, nope, I'm driving now. It's not worth it. I'd rather take longer and drive, be in control. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> well, those seats on those planes are made for kindergartners, so... Yeah, they're not comfortable either. They're, yeah. For a, you know, six and a half foot tall man. Right. You know, I need about three seats just to be comfortable. <laughs> and I, I ain't paying all that. Because um, that's what uh, me and uh, a lot of my buddies and their wives and stuff would take cruises. Yeah. And they would all fly to Florida. No, you'll just leave me all your bags, put them in the back end of my truck, and I'll see you when I get there. And I drive all their luggage down, save them some money on the plane thing, and I just drive it down with me and my truck. Right, that's smart. Okay, you have a truck. I was going to say, too bad they wouldn't go with you. Road trips are so much fun. You get to see so much along the way. <laughs> to Atlanta, I'd, I'd rather take a beat and then drive through Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, geez, I know. I, yeah. Yeah, I usually try to not go through that if I could help it, but I actually might have to go through that next week when I drive to Colorado, just because the time of year, I have to go kind of more of the southern route, but yep. Uh, if I gotta go through Atlanta, I'll time it to where I'm gonna hit it about midnight. And it's not so bad then. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. That's smart. So, you know, Mark, have you ever... In 25 years in law enforcement, have you ever run into, besides the light, other strange happenings, supernatural or paranormal, while on duty? I'm only once, and I wasn't, I didn't know that it was actually paranormal when I did because it was an alarm at a school. Mm. A motion activated alarm, and uh, I went over to back up another guy. Then they start telling me after we can't find anything about this little girl supposed to be roaming around there. Then I find out that the alarm goes off just about every night about that time in the same area. Huh. So I did end up investigating the place later and uh, had a few good results from it. I've been on some calls, you know, people swearing they see a UFO or something like that. I've not seen it. Not from the calls, but some of them I knew going into it that it wasn't going to be anything because just because of who called. Right. Um, just because you learn and some of them that you just can't rely on. If they told you it was daytime and it was, but you couldn't rely for it to be the truth. Yeah. But really nothing else 
So what's the most intense paranormal investigation that you've ever conducted? I know it must be a hard question after several years of doing it. It's probably like, well, so many to choose from. <laughs> I would say there's there's several of them that got a little heated, but one in particular was a home. We would it just didn't it didn't feel right in there at all. Me and uh, another guy that used to help me with it were in one of the bedrooms where a lot of the activity was supposed to take place and it just it got really dark in there and just I mean I'm not anybody that says they haven't been scared at least some is lying it actually scared me and I was glad he mentioned it before I did. He said, why don't we get out of here for a while? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, we would, just from, well, during that, which lasted about 15 minutes, that session, I had a recorder sitting out, and you could hear him and I talking, but there is this horrendous banging going on all around us in there mm. we didn't hear a thing wow it's like i mean it was like big thuds just kept happening and they weren't like in a sequence or like uh just uh had some kind of rhythm to them or something like a thump 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 like that but it was like bam 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 and, but they're very loud, and you couldn't have missed them for anything. And But like I said, we didn't hear a thing. Hmm. Got real dark in there. Yeah. The same night, another guy that had a recorder set on a little corner hutch in the living room. Again, they're in there, in there talking and seeing what we could find. Didn't hear anything, but he got some a really deep guttural growl over there that one of those that makes your hand stand hair stand up on your arms and stuff. Yeah. But the whole house it just it didn't feel right. And I I suggested to them that they, you know, get with a leader in their face because that just it didn't feel good. And just from what you know, that growl, that that kind of worried me. Right, absolutely. Because um, I, don't, I don't care to get a growl, but not like that. I don't know, I've, I've had so many that were just really oppressive and everything, but that one seemed darker than anything else I'd, I'd been involved in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, it's probably good that you guys got out of there. Yeah, I mean, we we'd actually investigated the house a couple times, but that was the last time. Um, I'd seen a cat. Well, I saw it with my own eyes. And I made mention of it, and the one girl said, we don't have a cat. Oh. There was a black cat just ran by here, and the other girl that lived there, she said, you saw it? And I said, yeah, I saw it right here by Henry's leg. And she said, thank God. She said, I've seen that thing a hundred times. Oh, wow. But, okay. But it was, it had been easier, but it seemed like the more we went there, the more we got. And that, that last time it was really dark and I didn't care to go back after that. Yeah. No, I could totally understand that for sure. Speaking of like dark, <laughs> have you ever had an attachment before? And if so, what was your experience and how did you get rid of the unwanted visitor? I believe I had one at one point just because 
things that would happen in the house. I mean, I know there's something active here in my house now. I mm. know that. But I live with it, and it doesn't bother me. I don't bother it. It doesn't bother my wife. She yeah. doesn't bother me. But uh, at one point, when my one daughter was living here, she woke up one night and saw who she thought was me standing at the foot of her bed. Just thought it was me just checking on her. Hmm. Oh, I wasn't here. Oh, God. And uh, she called me. She said, Dad, get home and get rid of whatever this thing is. And, you know, when she looked back again, it was gone. But I don't know why. I just, I called him George. He'd make a lot of racket in the basement. But. Yeah, I'd tell him to quit, and he'd, he'd settle down. Yeah. Uh, but I think I brought him home from the Bell Nursing Home with me inadvertently. But on one of my trips back, I told him, I said, come on, George, you got to go home. And I uh, went to the Bell, did my thing, and uh, haven't, haven't, haven't seen or heard from him since. Oh, wow. That's good. It's uh, and that's you know besides encounters and investigations and experiences, I always am curious since I've dealt with attachments myself. I always am interested to hear what other people went through and how they got rid of it. You know, because I know, as you know, like every encounter is different, and so. And it's so funny. I've had, I've talked to several people who have had attachments. And one of the things that they did that I didn't do was saying, you know, standing their ground and saying, you need to leave, you need to go. And for the most part, it worked. And like with you, you know, you're like, okay, come on, George, let's take you back home. You don't belong here. Let's go. And I'm like, you know what? I lived with my attachment for over a month. I was like, why did I not try that? You know, like if it didn't work, it didn't work. But good Lord, man, I thought I was dying. I, you know, there were times where I felt like I was being strangled. And um, this one was super aggressive. So it might not have even worked. But I was like, hopefully there's not a next time. But if there is a next time, I'm going to have to try that. Go home. (laughs) Well, I I always go into an investigation, and I I always try to remember to say a little prayer before I do. Yeah. But there had been one time I went up to the belt that I didn't, and that seemed to be when he latched on. And there was nothing up there that, you know, was aggressive or anything like that. And so he was just, I don't know, maybe just one like me and just want to go for a ride or something. He hung around here for a couple months. And, yeah. But you could talk to him and tell him, say, hey, just relax while I'm trying to sleep. And we won't have any problems. Right. And we did. And I, that, that, believe it or not, that works in so many cases. Yeah. Because if you tell them, hey, okay, I recognize that you're here, but you can't be, you know, making noise or talking or whistling or whatever they do while we're trying to sleep. And I've told people that, and most of them look at you like you got four heads. <laughs> but, you know, it works. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I definitely, like I said, fingers crossed, I, I pray that there's never a next time because it's quite the... It's quite the experience, you know, it's not just like an investigation. It's like you're taking your work home with you and and you, and you don't want it to come home with you. But, um, yeah, it's very, very interesting stuff. I'll have to keep that in mind for sure. So, Mark, what places are on your paranormal bucket list? We, we all as investigators have them, you know, and some of them are easy where it's just like, you know, a couple states over, some are, you know, in a different country, but where are some places that are on your paranormal bucket list? Well, I've got a few that that I'd like to go to Gettysburg being the first. 
I guess I've been fortunate my whole time in this. I've never had to pay to investigate anywhere. I was lucky with Mansfield, a prospect place contact, Ken Johnson, who's now deceased. Ken and I and Scott Sukel that was uh, in charge of stuff at Mansfield for quite a long time. Georgia contacted us to come out and check out Prospect Place before it got up and going. So we did the groundwork there before they ever opened up to the public. And then I got to do the stuff. I got called into the Bell Nursing Home before they ever opened up. So I've been very lucky. I would like to go to Gatlinburg. Listen to me. Gatlinburg. (laughs) The last time we went there, I had an experience. Gettysburg. I think I'd like to go to Eastern State Penitentiary. Yes, that's on my list too. And I mean, those are probably about the only two that really, really, I really want to go to. Yeah, those are good places for sure. Those are, I, I went to Gettysburg. Really, it was just a really last-minute, unexpected trip. I, Me and my mom were on our way from Colorado to New York to go visit my aunt, who was really sick at the time, and um, she has since passed away. But we, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, but we, you know, after New York, we were on our way back to North Carolina, where my mom was going to stay for a few days, and... We're driving and we're like, you know, we're, we're, we keep seeing Gettysburg signs. And I'm like, well, is it really out of the way? Cause we still had like 600, we still had several hundred miles to go, you know, and we had to be back at a certain time. And when we saw that it was only like two miles away, we're like, oh, okay, <laughs> let's go. And um, so it was a very short, unexpected trip we were only there for like two hours but it was really neat it was definitely one of those places that demands your attention like okay i need to go back two hours is not gonna cut it so i I, it's like i went there but really it was just a quick little visit it wasn't an investigation of any sort i took pictures and you know that was it really but yeah that's that's definitely a place that need to spend quite a bit of time at i think yeah, well, there's so many areas there that are reported to be haunted, and I mean, I, I guess you could do the driving tour and you get a lot of the same stuff. I've seen a couple clips from people that were just driving and stopped, and I mean, you can hear cannons and muskets and you know, rifles going off and. <laughs> And one, there was two cannons set up beside the road, and, you know, whether it's been tampered with or not, because I'm one that doesn't quite believe unless I was there to see it. Right. But you can see this figure, and you can tell he's in a soldier's outfit, walk right up to and through this cannon. Hmm. And just uh, dissipates. And But it was just so cool seeing it right no that is that is cool for sure so mark before we end this i want to ask and i'm curious about this through your several years at the sheriff's department what's the weirdest call you've ever responded to like one that really stuck with you oh boy um (laughs) I guess it depends if, if you mean weird, 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 funny, or weird what. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll give you a couple. I, I went one. This is weird and funny. Okay. It was, it, this little, you know, five-year-old boy. We get a 911 call from a house, and as soon as it comes through 911, they've got the address right there. Well, I go out there, this little boy comes running out, and 
He says, everything's okay, officer. Everything's okay. <laughs> I said, well, who called 911? He said, I did. <laughs> and I went, well, why did you call? About then, mom comes walking out and says, what's going on? I said, well, your son has called 911, and he's just now starting to give me this story. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, he said, you see, mom had went next door to borrow something. I don't remember what it was. He said, so I was alone in there with my baby sister. He said, and she was crying. He said, and I tried to give her a pacifier, and I tried to give her her bottle, <laughs> and I tried to make faces at her and all this. He said, and she wouldn't quit crying. And, officer, I just didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and, yeah, I had to turn my head. You know, I didn't want to laugh at the kid because <laughs> it, was, it was cute. His heart was in the right place. But <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, it was just weird. <laughs> and mom mad at him. I said, "Look, don't don't be mad at him." No. <laughs> he was trying to get help for his sister, and he just did what he thought was right. <laughs> How cute! <laughs> weird, weird. Let me think. The, the only other one that really jumps to mind right now is we'd had we'd had calls and emus running loose for months. Huh. Nobody, nobody called to say they were missing an emu or anything like that. This emu just appeared. People were calling every day from different areas, you know, in relatively close. And I'm probably going to make myself sound like a dummy on this, but <laughs> we got a call one day that was, it was behind a trailer park. So I sent two of the guys on down the road to get to the, on the railroad tracks, by the way. I'm waiting at one intersection with the tracks, which is only maybe a quarter mile away. So they get up behind it, and they start running it down the tracks. Well, in my mind, an emu's not as big as an ostrich. I'm a big man. I can probably take this thing off its feet. Oh, God. <laughs> Here to tell you, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Now, but he, oh, while I sat there and counted little cuckoo birds circling my head. Then I come to watch a special a couple of weeks later and find out that they were, they're some kind of raptor. They've got like a big claw at the back of their feet where they can just cut you to ribbons. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time, else I'd have never tried it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And we never heard we never heard any more calls about him after that, so I don't know if, I don't know what happened to him. Well, he must have traveled on to somewhere else where there wasn't some crazy deputy trying to <laughs> grab him. That wasn't I didn't think getting all the way through, I don't reckon. But, <laughs> yeah, we both we both hit the pavement, but I hit it just a little bit harder than he did, I believe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no easy feat. Those emus are pretty, pretty huge creatures. Well, you know, I was taller than it, but I'm telling you, that thing was nothing but muscle. Yeah. Because when, yeah, I, I can tackle a big man, but <laughs> that, he's a whole lot stronger than anybody ever tangled with. <laughs> Well, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't hurt you with his talons. Well, I'm, I'm even gladder. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's crazy. Now there was had you know different weird pets out there and stuff, but he has nothing to you know about llamas and you know, goats and you know, regular farm animals and stuff. But well, there was a guy even had an ostrich farm, but we never. We couldn't find anybody that had an emu farm or even owned one. So I don't know where he came from and I don't know where he went. I'm just glad he was gone. Right. Absolutely. Well, that is quite a wild story. <laughs> uh, well, 
Mark, thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast. It was so fun talking all paranormal and supernatural with you. And you'll have to be on again sometime. I would enjoy that very much. I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. What a neat guy, for sure. Absolutely. I love talking with people and hearing all about their encounters with the unknown. And again, Mark, thank you so much for your service with the Sheriff's Department. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They're phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now by heading over to any of the podcast platforms, such as Deezer, Pocket Cast, Podcast Republic, Castbox, Podcast Addict, wherever you may roam to listen to your other awesome podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Products Podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shout outs go to Farmington, New Mexico, Berwyn, Illinois, Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. Rockledge, Florida, and Santos, Brazil. Thank you so much for lending me your ears and for the support. Each of you are absolutely phenomenal. Do you have an encounter you'd like to share? Throw an email my way at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week. <laughs>